Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Let's go right into the phone calls and start things out with Brian in Colorado on the amplifier line. Hello, Brian. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. How are you? What's up? I just had a a little minor act of civil disobedience today. Do tell. Yeah, I was. There's this uh, road that comes down. It's a pretty steep hill, and it's a, a 45 mile an hour hill. Okay. Now you could go down there 65 miles an hour. It's four lanes wide. But the speed limit is 45 or 50. It depends on how you read the signs. Gotcha. Well, of course, everybody goes 60 or 65. So I get down to the bottom of the hill, and, of course, there's a cop at the bottom mm-hmm. with a radar gun going up. Now, it seems to me that radar guns at the bottom of the hill are just, are just foul play. I, I would agree. Um, you know, I mean, really, what's the purpose of a speed limit? You know, radar guns are to enforce the speed limit. A speed limit is to keep everybody safe. But, you know, at the bottom of a hill, when you've got momentum going with you and that whole thing, it just... It it seems like a dirty trick. Like they're just out it's to dirty, g- give somebody a, a ticket rather than trying to keep everybody a, it's safe. It's a revenue generator, right? Right. Well, right. They, they would argue that they're trying to keep you safe by keeping you going 45 on this hill where it's dangerous to go 60. I'm sure they would. But, but it, it, it's not dangerous to go 60. I mean, they go there all the time at 60. Luckily, they didn't go today. But yeah, I mean, they, it, I, who knows? I, they're going to say it's safety. But anyway, I, I didn't think it was right, so I made a U.E. as soon as I could. Went right past the cop, went up the hill, flashing my lights the whole way. Wait a minute. So wait, 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 wait. He didn't come after you. You you came down the hill and then. Oh, I see. Okay, so so he came down the hill going the right speed. Yeah, flashing your lights at a driver who's coming towards you is a signal to the other driver that there's cops ahead. Is it's what a signal saying. to the driver of a, of a bunch of things. Yeah, but it usually... it's very confusing. But when I see it, I slow down, and sometimes there really are cops up there. Right. Well, sometimes around here, it's because there's a there's a deer in the road. Uh-huh. You know, there, there, there's something you should be aware of that's not normal coming up ahead. But in Colorado, there's a law that says, and I, I haven't looked at the law, I've just been told this, so who knows if it's actually a law, that, that, that you can't do that. You can't flash your lights to warn someone that there's a cop ahead. You can only flash your lights to warn someone that there's some danger. Right, ahead, it, it makes them very angry. Thing. They don't like Yeah, that. right. And so I, I did, I went up the hill, and I came back down, and then I went up the hill again, I came back down. So I, you know, I flashed as many people as I could, but it was very heartening to me but when I came back down, there were lots of people who flashed their lights at me, too. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Excellent. So what else, Brian? I, well, I have a, a little issue about a little uh, clarification, a different way that I saw something. A guy called in, I think, uh, whatever Gardner was on. Is that Monday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how he had a product, some kind of something for his car, and he had the patent on it, and as soon as the patent ran out, uh, some guy in China uh, made this thing that was, you know, inferior but a lot cheaper to his product. Right. And he got wind of that and uh, immediately lowered his price, made his product better, and was able to force this other guy out of, out of business. Well, I don't think he said he forced him out of business, but he did manage to successfully compete with him to where uh, he didn't lose a lot of his business, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and and that's great. And, and you guys said it was great and... and uh, that is, that's correct. However, however, and he said it himself, he said he'd already been selling this thing for eight years and been able to recoup his money. So the only way that he was able to do this is with the patent protection. He was able to that recoup is, his money yeah. with the patent protection. 
Right, because, you know, he builds something, and I've done this, I've invented things, you know, you have to spend a lot of money on these dyes, especially if you're making something out of plastic, it's like $50,000 sometimes for this dye mm-hmm. to make, to stamp something out of plastic. So you make it, you stamp it, and it doesn't quite work. So you've got to spend another 50000 to make the next one, and then there's a lot of experimentation that goes in to getting your product, you know, to refine your product to a point where you can sell it. Mm-hmm. And so you've got, well, in our current system, now I'm not saying that this is the way it it should be, but uh, in our current system, you've got seven or eight or 17 or 27 years, depending on what, what type depending of Depending on how much your lobbyists have uh, managed to uh, secure for you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, of course, that's, I guess you call it mercantilism, but, but whatever, that, that's the way it is. And, and when you start out, you, you understand that, and so you price your product at a premium because you have the monopoly on that thing for seven years or whatever. Right. And you're able to recoup your profits knowing full well that when that patent runs out, someone else doesn't have to make ten mistake dies before he gets to the final one. They can just take your product, you know, reverse engineer it, make their one die, and they can sell the thing a lot cheaper because they didn't have to go through the research and development that you did. That's but you true. did that knowing that you would be able to have a monopoly on this thing. That's right. So... Uh, be, you know, a guard says, you know, you ought to write this up in Mises. Well, <laughs> as, as an example of how you can compete, you know, with someone else who copies your stuff without the government, that's not quite true, because he did have government protection in the time that he was uh, recouping his er, er, initial investment. It was only after that, and everybody does that, they all lower their price when the patent goes out, or, you know, they try to get it extended or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so that, is an, that, that is a situation where the government w- was used, but he was able to leverage the government along with the, you know, the, the, the after-government protection to make a lot more money. That's right. So I, I, I just want to point that out with you, to you and, and then also say that, you know, I really like your idea, and I've been thinking about this, about how maybe the university should be in the idea business and the manufacturer should be in the manufacturing business. That way we wouldn't need patents. I, I gotta, you know, work that out in my noggin a little bit well, to see how that might I work. I don't know about what I think about that. Um, I mean, you know, Ian has uh, floated that idea quite a few times, but it seems like the people that stand to profit from uh, a new idea should probably will probably be the ones naturally to come up with new ideas. I'm, I'm you know, I mean, just it, well, the it inventors makes sense would be getting paid um, working at the university. Okay. Um, they, yeah, but I'm, I'm not a university kind of guy. But I'm a, you know, I'm a tinkerer. And so I would never be in the university, so I, I don't really know how it'll work. Maybe there'll be tinkerer universities or something. I don't Who know. Who knows? It's just one idea. And uh, the, right. the name of the guy that I got that from was uh, Stephen Kinsella. He's kind of like the go-to guy in the libertarian movement uh, about intellectual property and, and how to get rid of it and, and possible brainstorms as to you know what the marketplace would do without government uh, patent protection and that sort of thing around. And, and that was just one of the ideas that he floated. And honestly, it was in a 50-page paper that I just didn't you – know, I didn't read the entire thing. I just sort of skimmed over it. And, and so who knows? There might be other ideas in there that I, that I didn't actually get to. So well, you was this paper copyrighted? I I don't think so. I don't, that would be ironic, wouldn't it? Um, it his Stephen name is, Kinsella, you say? Yeah, Stephen Kinsella. So go pump, punch him up and see what you can find. And thanks for the call, Brian. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I don't know if that's the best way that things would work. I don't know if that's how it would the, the market would organize itself. But presuming that people still value ideas, certainly there would be some sort of structure that would spring up that would allow those to create the ideas to be rewarded for them. Well, I think that... Um, Probably the uh, the best the best argument from the side of 
you know, no government, um, you know, no patent law, no copyright law, um, you know, coming from that side of the argument is Mm -hmm. the market. uh, People demand copyright and patent protection of some sort, some kind of intellectual property protection. They demand that Um, the public understands it and uh, inventors want it. There would be something. I don't know how it would work. I don't know if it would be better than the current system we have or worse than the current system we have. I don't know if people would slip through, but I do know that currently and in, in the way things are going right now, people are violating um, intellectual property laws all the time. Um, you know, college kids are being brought up on charges for downloading music, which seems ludicrous to me. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the music industry is getting $3,000 a, a pop for every one they, they can catch when they didn't download $3,000 worth of music. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. I know that the laws. They're trying are, to set an example. I know the laws are being abused. I know that there's problems with the laws. I, I don't know. It's it, intellectual well, property seems like one of a, a very legitimate role of government to me. I, well, that's just it. Government is not legitimate in the first place because I it's you coercion that. and it's forcing people to do things. And so if you uh, if you agree that coercion is a nasty thing that we should get get rid of from our human interactions, then you need to start thinking up some alternative options. You know, for people to uh, protect their ideas, if indeed that's something that they're looking for. And I think that the marketplace, if the marketplace were handling it, then intellectual property protection, should the marketplace want those sorts of things, would be in the hands of everyone, would be in the hands of those who are seeking profits instead of in the hands of lawyers, which is whose hands they're in today. And as a result of the of intellectual property being in the hands of lawyers via the patent system and copyright law and all those other laws that surround intellectual property, then of course it's the lawyers that are the ones that are profiting from it the most. It's the lawyers that are making out like bandits. You the, can make the same argument about personal injury. Um, I don't think that uh, we should not have a tort system for people to get injured by other people. I'm not sure what that argument would be, but I'm uh, not sure what it would be. Either. In that case, I think they're actually helping someone instead of stealing ideas from inventors and snagging them for themselves. Which is what they're doing today. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. The Sankle CAI toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features for free, including the updates. You just get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates. .freetalklive.com, and Mother's Day is this Sunday. If you haven't gotten something for mom, go to 1-800-Flowers.com and get her something nice. They've got flowers and gifts she'll love, and they'll deliver on Mother's Day. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's FTL to save 10% at 1-800-Flowers.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun. It's John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, John. John in New Hampshire. Hey there. Hey there. Um, We've talked on the show recently about Ron Paul having a media problem that they don't want to pay attention to him. Yeah, we were discussing uh, that last night, in fact. Yes, sir. I heard something uh, the other night. I, I work an odd shift, so I'm on the way home, and I don't have a lot of options on my radio, so I'm listening to whatever you know talk show I can get or mm-hmm. switching from CD. We had John Stossel on a show called Laura Ingram, fairly popular show. Right. Uh, John Stossel was doing a fairly good job of describing what it was like to be a libertarian and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually this woman who's interviewing him asked him, as a Republican, who he liked in the debates. He mentioned Romney, because Romney understands markets, and I'm not quoting you know, John Stossel. I'm not, I don't mean to be quoting him, 
But he basically said that he likes Romney because he understands markets. And I'm thinking, yeah, he understands mercantilism. <laughs> and then, and then uh, when they discussed it a little further, he liked Giuliani because he what? seems competent. Yeah, fascist, I'm thinking. And then uh, and Laura Ingram eventually said to him, uh, geez, I thought you'd maybe mention somebody like Huckabee. I don't know who the hell Huckabee is, but mm-hmm. uh, Stossel's answer was, geez, I thought you were asking about the major candidates. So oh. I don't mean to, you know, step on somebody's toes. John Stossel's a friend of ours, so isn't Ron Paul. I don't mean to, you know, kick them or, or step on their toes, but I was so disappointed in that yeah. interview. You would think um, that you would think I mean, how I'm a little bit surprised at that. Well, I mean, given the opportunity, when she ended up asking, I thought you'd mention somebody else. I can understand if he's talking. You know, do you like Romney, Giuliani, or McCain? Well, at least he left out McCain, <laughs> who seems to me like he's really, really happy to bomb, bomb, bomb. However, he did that yeah. song recently. Uh, not very good. So. Romney Giuliani, at least he left out McCain, but given the second bite at the apple, when she said, I thought you would mention somebody else, he missed it. He didn't, he was, he didn't even take that opportunity. I was very surprised. Wow. Yeah, yeah I mean, very, somebody, very who, surprised. somebody who self-describes as a libertarian, I mean, all you have to do is read his books to, to understand that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the guy's good. That's a shocker. The guy's good. I, I don't understand why he that would be. It and anybody could do it on, on any given day. I could or you could or anybody else could. You know, blow an opportunity to do the right thing. Right. The, the, the interview at that point, and I didn't get to hear the whole thing. I'm just commuting to work. Hmm. Um, terrible. It, it made me think, do these media people, is he looking at his job more than his principles? I wonder about that. I don't know, man. Um, these That's people spooky. sitting lumped, and you know, I don't like to get into all big conspiracy stuff. But you know, when you've got a manager that's breathing down your back a little bit and says, either you know, you should be talking about this, or shouldn't be talking about that. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, if you if it's your manager, you listen a little bit, right? And without getting into big conspiracy, I think it it can't it does go up the line. You think the heat's on, huh? You think the I don't heat's know. on, John Stossel? I don't know. Say again? Uh, you think the heat's on John Stossel for management to uh, to not promote well, he Ron might Paul? Just be, he might just be. He might just be. You know, position wise, and say it's not good for my career. And he might be doing our cause very well. I don't know. I don't know how that does he our cause well. He might be a lot well. smarter than I am. He might be smart to not do hmm. that for now. I don't know because John, our message can be incremental. Thank I you for the update, that. man. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You guys. It's, I would consider it very disappointing um, that you know John Stossel didn't take the opportunity to re- mention Ron Paul, the winner of the debate. Um, you know, on the online polls, all the online polls that are out there. Basically. How could he not know, right? I mean, he presumably saw the debate. I mean, he he's certainly little, supposed to be informed. I, I, I mean, I can understand not going online, and I mean, I know he's a busy guy, and I'm sure he's he doesn't do a lot of his own prep himself or whatever his his job is. I'm sure he's got producers that do that sort of thing, but. How could you not know that Ron Paul was far and away the the most popular winner of that of that particular debate? And when asked a, a personal question about who you like the most, it wasn't the question wasn't who won the debate; it was who do you like. And he didn't answer Ron Paul. That's a shocker. Yeah, I I I would agree. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Chris in Indiana. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Julia and Mark. Hello, Chris. Hey, last caller, great call. What's on your uh, name? Um. 
Julia, what do you think about uh, intellectual property? Because the other day when Ian and Mark were uh, kind of getting heated <laughs> at one another, uh, that was great, by the way. Uh, makes great radio. I love hearing that stuff. Um, what do you think? Speak up. <laughs> okay. Well, I have to say I take Ian's position on this in that I think that the, if the marketplace, if there's a demand, like Mark says, if there's a demand for protection, that it will be provided. And with all the silly patents that are out there, I mean, you can see that there's obviously problems with the system that we have, like the crustless peanut butter and jelly sandwich or whatever. But I can understand people's fear in letting, let you know what I mean, letting patents go and that that sort of thing. So, well, they think all productivity will grind to a halt if patents go right. away. I understand people's fear. Apparently, no one ever invented anything before a patent. But can it can it be any worse than what we have now? I mean, could could the free market solutions be any worse than the system we have right now? I don't think so. Yeah, well, they could. I mean, that's what I, I think it's possible. They certainly could be worse solutions. That's right. It's have. an armed gang that holds all of society together. It's the armed government uh, that makes it all happen, right? Yeah, Mark? I like the idea of an armed gang protecting my property. Thanks very much. Mm. Well, you know, it's fine if you want to hire the armed gang on a voluntary basis to protect your property. But so, uh, if you were sitting on the jury and I shot somebody um, who uh, you know had stolen my intellectual property, how would you find? I'd find that you're a murderer, and that's awful. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you don't have any desire to protect people's property. Uh, well, that's Ian. because um, murder is not an appropriate response to theft, Mark. Uh, it absolutely is. Are no. you telling me if somebody's in your house stealing something, you don't think that shooting them is <laughs> an appropriate response? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Ian, exactly Ian's right. all over the place on this yeah, one. I, I didn't like mean like someone breaking into theft. Your, I didn't mean someone breaking into your house. I meant someone downloading a song. Oh, I understand. I know. Right. Yeah. Don't There's think a line that murders. Draw. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think a, murders. It's a really uh, tough issue. It is. Chris, any other thoughts? Uh, oh, uh, I was being civilly disobedient today. Um, on my way to work, I was driving my car, and um, uh, my plates were um, out of date. There and, you go. Yeah, and it, like, I think $250 later, I have my car back. <laughs> and it was nice of the cop to give me a ride to work, I will say. Hmm. But that's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's like you rob somebody, and then you drive them to work. That's ridiculous. I mean, he should have made me walk, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Chris, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, I wasn't saying that um, if someone was threatening your life that you shouldn't respond in in kind. Um, But if someone's just borrowing an idea, that does not deserve death. I don't think being in your house uh, stealing something unarmed is threatening one's life. I don't think so either. 800-259-9231. I just don't know. I mean, I, I think you should be able to defend your property, but... To kill someone over an idea? It's That's you don't crazy. Think, you don't think intellectual property is property. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. FreeTalkLive.com. All the features for free. Live streams included. Broadband version of the show and a dial-up version 
They're yours for free. Just go to freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own, as well as hear and discuss the progress in the future of the Free State Project. So register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com as we go to the phones. The amplifier line to Puke in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Puke. Good evening. Hey, good evening. What's up? I just uh, want to make some comments on the intellectual property debate that's been going on, you know, uh, all this week with uh, you and Mark. Yes, sir. Um, well, before we went to the to the other uh, commercial, you mentioned that you know somebody mentioned that uh, shooting someone for downloading a song would be um, inappropriate. Yeah, and I think that's correct because I look at it this way: that uh, a bunch of files on a computer is not a tangible, real object. Stealing a CD would be more of a theft in my mind than just downloading a song because you, you can copy this bits of data and, you know, it's, it's like it's, it's going to happen and it's not going to, um, you can't really stop it without just becoming real Dacronian. Right. So that, that's just my idea is that yeah, um, one way to get around it without using the government and patents and stuff I was thinking is uh, something like... Uh, what is it, uh, Underwriters Laboratories, why couldn't you have a private company that says, yes, this product was registered with us, uh, we guarantee that it was the original, something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah, but you could. I mean, there's no. it's not hard to determine today which CDs are the originals. I mean, they're being sold in CD stores, which have, and those CD stores have agreements with, you know, Capitol Records and Sony Music and all of the other CD distributors, Universal Music Group, all of the other distributors. So, I mean, it's not hard to determine today. So, obviously, the marketplace would easily be able to identify which is the real McCoy, the genuine article, that sort of thing. Right. And um, I just, whenever it comes to uh, digital things, such as, you know, if, it, if it's put online and it, and it can be copied, well, I, don't, I just don't see how you're really going to stop people from doing that. Because if they want to do it, they've found a way, thanks to the Internet. And it's just, you know, without becoming just complete police state and having the government monitor your computers, I don't see how you could do away with it any other way. Absolutely. It's impossible. I mean, think about the millions of people that have engaged in downloading. We we certainly can't put them all in jail, and executing them would be genocide. I mean... (laughs) That's I, nuts. I, I, I would agree that there's a big problem with uh, intellectual property and the way it's enforced in the United States right now, and that gives credence to uh, ideas like Ian's, I no doubt. But I don't think for a second that uh, that, that I, I just feel like uh, it would be you would see a uh, slowdown in in production. At the very yeah. least, I can show a um, real. Uh, delineation between the increase mm-hmm. of IP laws and the increase of production. Now, maybe they just yeah. happen to be um, happen to coexist at the same time. You know, our government has gotten bigger, and therefore the IP laws have gotten bigger and more intrusive. I'll give you that. And uh, of course, you know, as as the future progresses, there will be more inventions. Are people producing things in China? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they, they, I mean, I don't. Have, I don't know if they're um, inventing things in China. They may very well just be finding the things that we produced and invent here, and then copying the crap out of oh, them. Oh, I can tell you, they're inventing things in China. Like what? Well, there, there are knockoffs in China all the time. Mm-hmm. You can read about them online, like the you know fake iPods and MP3 players. But I don't see how you know companies in America are really losing money 
because a few knockoffs are being sold in China to people who couldn't afford a real iPod. But we're talking about America, and what if America was like China? I mean, America is the right. biggest market for anybody who produces anything. The fact that a, a peripheral market like uh, China, there there exists no um, no real IP protection out there. You know, I, we can look at it for examples, but yeah, I would agree with you. You're right; it doesn't really have anything to do with uh, what's going on here in America. But do and, we want their I, system? I feel it. Go ahead. Do we want their system? I mean, it could very well kill manufacturing here. Right. Well, I feel like um, maybe if the if the laws weren't so crazy um, and made it difficult for people to say download uh, digital music, which iTunes has helped that, but they make it so difficult that people just say. You know, to heck with it. I'm going to download it illegally because I can, and it's easier, and I can play it anywhere I want on anything. Right. I've tried very hard to download songs, um, you know, paid-for songs on the Internet because I'm not very good with the whole – I don't want to learn how to do BitTorrent or anything like that. Um, Sometimes, you know, I've had people show me, but – I just never remember, and I don't really understand. Yeah. The programs change every couple of months because they're always shutting down those those companies. Um, yeah, that, but I've tried to download songs legally, and I can't. I can't figure it out. What, the legal ones? The legal ones. I can't download songs. I've never paid for one, one music song. It made me angry when they did that whole 99 cents a song crap. I'd love to pay 99 cents a song. I can't That's do it. expensive. I, I enjoy it because I, I can. I don't like buying entire CDs because sometimes half the CD that you've never heard is, is junk. Sometimes. Oh, I through. agree with you for that, on that one. Puke, thanks right, for the call, so, man. So I'd like hmm? to buy one or two songs. Right on. Hey, the, I'm sure there'll be. I'm sure the process will become easier over time. I mean, it, it just more and more people are, are over time getting a handle on how to use computers, and the more you use them, the more capable you'll be at it. Thanks for the call. Yeah. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Nico in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hello, Nico. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about patents. Mm-hmm. We're on this kind of subject of intellectual property. Okay. In this country, um, if we had no patents, I mean, it would be a better idea because we would have competition and things like that, and it would be less of a chance for a corporation to just to take over, like, just to take over one thing. But wouldn't there be a problem of companies saying, well, if we invent this, people are going to take it, and we wouldn't make money, so then they just not decide to invent it? That's I would, what the, that's I would say the that's the Mark crux of the for. argument, Nico. <laughs> there you go. You've got it down. That's the uh, that's the argument, and uh, my uh, my my counter to that is that uh, the market will come up with an alternative way of producing products that we might not necessarily be able to think of today, like the university solution. Well, it's just like what you say with the market. The market is like a river that will find its way around um, impedance, impediments. Yeah, it does its best job. And I say what you're doing is you're putting an impediment in the market rather than streamlining it. No, sorry. Um, an, an armed gang of thugs forcefully taking money from people is an impediment to the marketplace. Now, you, you always, um, how is an armed gang of thugs forcefully taking money from people um, when it comes to patent? Or well, let's see. There's uh, taxes that support the bureaucracies that you are in favor of. So Look, taxes I, support the bureaucracies, therefore they're I taking my money at, at gunpoint. Why, why do I support the, um, the IP laws as it stands currently? 
Oh, uh, you want to change them a little bit. No, I want to make, um, you know, common law copyrights where, you know, just like they used to, you can prove that uh, you came up with the idea first and uh, or, or that the uh, person and the person d- didn't, they stole your idea rather than coming up with it uniquely on their mm-hmm. own. And then you can sue them for damages. That sounds, it's a court system, a tort system sounds like it can handle all of this. So I don't you, think don't, we need you to, want to get rid of the patent office? I don't see any reason for the patent office to exist. I think that a person can, uh, a person will need to prove mm-hmm. um you know whether or not they came up you know when they came up with something that they came up with it uniquely those kind of things when they go to court i don't see that we need a patent office for this um there would be all kinds of organizations if a common law copyright where you sent a letter of the plans and schematics to yourself and left it dated you know and and, and you left it sealed and that whole thing mm-hmm. um if that didn't work then there were companies would spring up that could help you to register your um, your item. You don't need the government. I don't see any big need for a bureaucracy there, but I, I do see a um, need for enforcement of property rights. Got it. Nico, any other thoughts? Well, um, I think that if we were to get rid of the patent laws, I think if I were to make a choice on the argument I just brought up and what Ian's saying was just get rid of them and let the marketplace decide, I would probably choose Ian because... I mean, then maybe people would make a more quality product because they know that if they don't, then they'll lose out. Um, I had one more thing really quick. Hang on. Um, and that 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. I guess more about intellectual property on the way and your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. We do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. As about 370 or so of our listeners have decided to do for as little as 3 bucks a month. Again, it's up to you. You head over, you send in three bucks a month, and it makes a big difference for us because, well, we take it all and we pool it together and we turn it around into purchasing advertising for the show, amongst other things, to help promote Free Talk Live, to get it on more radio stations, to spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So that's valuable to you. You want to help support us. Then head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get more information. That's amp.freetalklive.com. As we go back to Nico in Illinois, you're back on Free Talk Live. Nico, you had one more thing you wanted to cover, so go for it. Uh, yeah, basically about intellectual property. Um, I pretty much think that the marketplace can handle it. However, um, let, let's say that somebody writes a book. Let's say I write a book mm-hmm. on bees. And I do all the research. I go out and I interview people. And I ask questions. I look online. And I just do all this research. And I write a whole big book about bees. And I want to make a little bit of money on it because I did a lot of work. I should make some money. Sure. And some other guy reads my book. And I'm not saying he copies my book. I'm saying he just basically rewords my book and writes it again. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do any kind of research or anything. He just basically... Um, rewrites my book and sells it for a higher price, um, at at that or or even a lower price. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would be a little unfair because I did all that research, he did not, and 
you sure know, would. if he markets it better, he would get all the money. Well, you know, that's why marketing's an important factor, and uh, you should make sure that before you publish your book, your publisher is, has uh, some sort of renown, and uh, that they've got some sort of an exclusivity agreement with the uh, different bookstores around the country to where you know that this uh, that future competitors or plagiarists or whatever uh, wouldn't be able to get to, to elbow in on your territory. And so you'd have to work that out. I, I would venture to say that currently, that under our current system, um, you would still have no recourse against a guy who read your book. Let's say he read three books on bees, took all the information that he learned in those three books, reworded it, and put it into his own book. That's what you call research now. Yeah. He could even cite your book as a source if he wanted to and and sell yeah. that. So, you know, it's it's a, a competition is a bitch, but it's worth having because it brings everybody, it, it raises the level of everything up. Thank you for the call, Nico. We appreciate it. Have, you know, when you're in a business, whatever the business might be, whether you're dealing with a product that's, you know, one-time sale or consumable or whatever, you're selling a service... You've got to innovate constantly. You've got to have something new coming just around the corner um, because there's, you know, somebody out there that wants your profits, and they're going to be working hard to uh, to get at those. And so you've got to keep working hard, too. And, and that's what, you know, some of this monopoly privilege, uh, that what it does is it takes away from that constant need to innovate. It removes from the uh, the need to compete because, well, you've got a seven-year guarantee where no one's going to be competing with you. So sit back, relax, uh, enjoy your seven years because there's no need to do any hard work at that time. Just market your product and uh, feel confident that no one else is out there doing the same you thing. You know, I would, I would concur with you in certain areas. And, for instance, there's no copyright or patent protection on things like fashions. Um, when it takes when 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 it comes to fashion, basically you cut and sew some material into a certain shape, and bam, you've got some fashions. Mm -hmm. um, you know that's that doesn't take a great deal of marketing and research. Whereon, whereas in um, the case of some medications, let's talk about a medication that works, not one uh, you know that has all kinds of problems. It takes a great deal of research, lots of time, lots of scientists, all that kind of thing. Um, and in order to, to see uh, progress in, in that particular arena, mm. I think it's likely, you know, uh, real progress, good progress in that particular area, rather than a bunch of people, you know, mixing some stuff together and saying, hey, let's sell this. I, you know, I just I, I think that you need certain protections when you put a great deal of R and D into something. Well, um, of course, you uh, are ignoring the fact that the most of the money for R and uh, a good chunk of the money for R and D is going to the uh, the FDA in the case of medicines. Also, I think sure. Wayne, uh, Wayne would point out that a lot of medicines are just sort of uh, pharmaceutical versions of natural things, natural plants that occur naturally here on the earth, and so those, that process allows those companies to glom on to what is essentially a natural product and, and hold it as their own with a patent and once with a again, chemical version of it. You're arguing against current patent law. Right, and I, I would explore too. your idea a little bit more here because it sounded kind of interesting to me. You are saying you don't want the patent office to be around. You don't want an office of copyright. You don't want any of that crap. But you I don't said, even know that there is an office of copyright, but go ahead. Let me see if I understand because well, there's somebody you register the copyright with. There must be, right? Uh so let me see if I understand this. So you want to make it so that someone comes up with a uh, a back scratcher, okay? Let's say no one's invented that before. Okay. Um, someone invents the back scratcher. Special new technology in the uh, back scratching arena. And they uh, send a, and they send a 
piece of snail mail to themselves to prove that they invented the back scratcher on this particular date. Right. And, and you know, some kind of pertinent information as to what kind of research they went through. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may very well have to protect that back scratcher against somebody else who came up with the same idea, you know, the same technology in back scratching previously. They may have to protect that. So they'd have to, you should have notes and, you know, information. And, you know, the more complete it is, the better you look in front of a jury. Okay. So. He comes up with a back scratcher, sends his, himself that piece of mail, mm-hmm. and then begins to market the back scratcher. Now, that would be what you call a common law copyright. Maybe that would work. Maybe it wouldn't. If it didn't work, there would certainly be people out there that would register your um, quote-unquote private patent with them. Um, you know, they, they would have all the, the steps you'd need to take okay. and that kind of thing. So, so he goes out and starts marketing his back scratcher. Let's say he gets a few distribution channels. Uh, Walmart picks it up, and they're still selling the back scratcher. Mm-hmm. Then he discovers that the, at the dollar store down the street, there's a ripoff version of the back scratcher that's been imported from China. Okay. And um, you're saying that what he would do is take the dollar store to arbitration. Or the um, people that the, – probably it would be more effective to take the distributor of the back scratcher to arbitration. Um, okay. But when you, when you file a and lawsuit, then he would, you name everybody, and then right. it all comes out in the wash. Okay, so he'd take the distributor of the fake ba- – the ripoff back scratcher to arbitration mm-hmm. – and theoretically, he would come up with a, a number for damages that he wants out of them or something like that. Like, okay, well, you know, by you selling this, you've done this amount of theoretical damage to me. You'd I don't know how he'd figure that out. Whatever, and I then, don't know how he would figure out what that number you know, would be. I prefer the idea of an arbitrator over um, a jury every day. I really do. I think the juries are um, usually comprised of uh, people that want very much not to be there and are usually somewhere, um, you know, lower than the mean as far as... Uh, IQs go. So you're saying that you would leave it up to the marketplace to decide whether or not intellectual property was valuable enough to even arbitrate, right? Because because then you're relying on the idea that arbitrators and the marketplace in general would find it valuable to protect people's so-called intellectual property, which it might. I, maybe it would. That's why I'm, I'm trying to understand this. So in the event that the marketplace does find intellectual property of, worthy of arbitration protection, mm-hmm. then the arbitrators would probably find for the backscratcher inventor and uh, the, the company that ripped them off would get a damage to their reputation and that sort of thing. But in the event that the marketplace said, screw you to intellectual property, mm-hmm. and you couldn't find an arbitrator who gave a flip about intellectual property, all the arbitrators are telling you, hey, sorry, man, competition's tough. You, you, you uh, patented the... Uh crustless peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm terribly sorry that other people are making it, you know, you, you, it just, it, or what you've got something is illegitimate, sorry. So you, you, you'd you be okay if the marketplace on its own decided that uh, intellectual property wasn't valuable? You know I'm not for bureaucracy, Ian. Okay. I'm just for laws and people being protected, their property being protected. Mm-hmm. And I do think that somebody's hard work in R&D is property. I do. Now, when you start talking about uh, you know what Puke was bringing up as far as downloading music off the internet, it seems ludicrous to me for the RIAA to go seeking out college students who've downloaded uh, you know one song or uh, ten thousand songs. I don't know. I can't imagine they could download ten thousand songs, but you know three hundred songs. I don't think they've been damaged. $3, what about the cover? What about cover bands? What about cover bands who, you know, they come into a bar and they're going to get paid 100 bucks for that night to get up on stage and play other people's music? Uh, an entire band is going to get paid 100 bucks? I don't know. I'm just pulling out a number. Fi- I mean, a lot a- of small bands will play somewhere for 100 bucks gladly. They'd probably play for free. It depends. A bunch of cover songs. Yeah, it depends on how, you know. Oh, I would think just that a little local cover band. At that point, um, if, if what you're talking about is you'd have to see damages. 
I mean, you know, the, the people made a hundred dollars off of playing this gig, mm-hmm. and they increased their, um, you know, their their saleability the next time they go up. They may be able to ask for a hundred and one dollars, right? Um, that kind of thing. So, in, in a in, in that particular case where they made money, the RIAA or whatever band they, uh, you know took their songs from, would have to show damages. I don't feel like you can show a great deal of damages from a band that made a hundred stinking dollars, because they've got a stink. A um, hundred stinking dollars by playing your song. And you'd also have to find an arbitration court who cared. You what would. you're saying, too, right? Right. Huh. Okay. That's an interesting viewpoint, Mark, and I've never heard you espouse it uh, before. So... Very interesting. I have uh, espoused that uh, when we were talking about uh, uh, karaoke. 800-259-9231. Then I never really understood it then. Gotcha. Uh, More on the way. Hour number two is coming up. If you want to talk about patents, that's your business. Or we'll talk about virtual child porn. Yeah. Free talk live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. On our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. Once again, our number, 800-259-9231. And we'll roll right into the phone calls here to get things started. Let's talk to Rebel in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rebel. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. How's it going? What's on your mind? Actually, I was calling to uh, actually clarify a few things from uh, the man from New Hampshire that called in earlier about uh, the Stossel. Uh, I'm not mentioning Ron Paul on, his, uh, on that Laura Ingraham uh you know, interview or whatever. Yeah, John had well, called in from New Hampshire to say that I guess John Stossel was in the middle of an interview when he was asked who did he think uh, was the best candidate, I guess, for the Republican Party, and he did not answer with Ron Paul. He answered with one of the other guys. Yeah, and so also um, uh, on May 10th here, just a few days, uh, yes, actually yesterday, um, he was at the Heritage Foundation, and he was, uh, you know, giving a speech and whatnot, and, you know, the Heritage Foundation being a conservative or whatever think mm-hmm. tank, you know, at the beginning of this question-and-answer session, you know, he was asked which uh, presidential candidate supports, you know, the, the best ideas as far as limited government and, you know, and encouraging, you know, market competition and whatnot. And then, you know, Stoffel's views in general. And, you know, he responds, Ron Paul, you know, and then... He did. You know, but apparently since Ron Paul is, according to him, is too boring, okay, you know, he goes on to talk, you know, obviously, like John said, to compliment Mitt Romney on his understanding of the free markets, which... If he understands him at all, it's just because he's sitting there throwing out a few words to try to, you know, uh, count a few, you know, conservatives in his direction. What sure. I have to say about that? Apparently, is that, the people uh, that uh, filled out the, you know, the the, all, the tens, the ten thousand people that responded to these polls and, uh, you know, uh, voted Ron Paul the winner as a landslide didn't think he was boring. So wait, so he mentioned Ron Paul and then sort of, uh, and then just kind of uh, disempowered him and he attacked him after he mentioned him. Well, essentially, you know, no, I mean, he, well, I, yeah, he did mention here, according to, uh, I'm on the ronpaul.refuf.org uh, site here, uh, it's from the dailypaul.com, 
deal. But uh, the point I was trying to make is that you know, I know Laura Ingraham. You know, he you know he doesn't even mention Ron Paul, but here just you know a day before he's sitting there talking about Ron Paul being you know the guy who's all for limited government and market competition, and, and it almost seems like yeah, you, know, you were saying earlier you were shocked about it. Well, quite honestly, to me that's a slap in the face as far as uh, you know John Stossel is concerned. And the way I see it, you know, there's a line that's got to be drawn in the sand somewhere, you know. And if you want to sit there, and you might as well throw all these Democrats and the nine other Republicans in one big shoe here, and, you know, if you can sit there and not even, you know, bring up Ron Paul's name anytime he gets an opportunity, and you can say what you want about you know, his managers or whatnot, if he's got no freaking cojones to sit there and step up like a real man does, as, you know, Samuel Adams once said, may posterity forget that you were ever my countryman. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't see why he dropped the ball there. I mean, in, Maybe in the media blackout that we're dealing with right now, you know, over, you know, all the media, you know, not trying to report him, take him out of polls and stuff like that, he's going to sit back and just kind of, you know, talk about Romney as if this man's a conservative by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, this is the guy it, that's in charge of... Up. This is the guy that's the governor of Massachusetts, one of the biggest government states that's out there. Mitt Romney's a big government freak, just like the rest of them. And uh, I agree with you, man. It's it's very, very disappointing. I guess maybe John Stossel's just a sellout. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that. you know, you got him at the Liberty Forum, you know, a couple months ago, and I don't. I just, I really don't understand what he's thinking. You know, the bottom line is, you know, Ron Paul was definitely a big topic during that whole that whole scenario that weekend, right. and here he is now, just. You know, maybe pretending it doesn't exist. You know, and I mean, he, and then I was, you know, read another thing earlier in the, in the week about John McLaughlin. You know, the whole McLaughlin Group deal. Well, he even mentioned Ron Paul. You know, and you got Pat Buchanan, you know, endorsing him as well. And here, our, our own buddy that we all thought is on our side, Mr. John Stossel. Yeah, you know, just we'll leave him out. out pretend it exists. That's sad. Thank you for the call, Rebel. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I'm not ready to uh, tar and feather John Stossel yet. Like I said, I'll take my um, libertarians where I can get them. But neither do I think that John Stossel is G- is the libertarian version of Jesus. Um, you know, he's he's probably the most uh, visible libertarian, certainly in the media out there, mm-hmm. and. That's great. I'll take whatever he gives me as far as ABC specials, and and I'll support him in that way. Sure, sure. But he still it, does good work. I you think. know, it, it, he can make a mistake and not try, um, support the right guy if if he has some kind of prejudice against Ron Paul, thinking that he's boring. Fine, that's his opinion. I I don't share it. Um, I don't think being boring, and I don't know Ron Paul, so I can't comment on how boring or not he is, but I don't think being boring or exciting should be a factor in whether or not you're the president of the United States. And is George States. Bush exciting? It, are any exciting? politicians exciting? Well, there's more exciting um, politicians than others. Uh, Bill Clinton was a relatively young, attractive, exciting politician, um, comparative to certainly George Bush or uh, Ron Paul. I mean, yeah, I can't say I've ever been excited when you by a politician. At, when you looked at the, your options between uh, Clinton and Dole, um, <laughs> you know, there, there, there's where you're talking about exciting versus boring. Hmm. You know. Yeah, I can't say I've ever been excited by I a guess there's, to me, there's boring politicians, and then there's the really, really boring politicians, like that politician that was on your show. I don't know. We had a politician name? on our show? Yeah, you did. Or George Phillies, is that his oh, name? Oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is the really, really boring. And then there's the other just regular boring. Yeah. They all look the they same. Don't, I don't they're, know. they're not interesting to me at all. No. 800-259-9231. Um, all right, so let's let's move on to a a topic that's probably going to disturb some people, and it's about something that is called virtual child porn. It's been discussed before, I think, on this show, but now 
the the U.S. law enforcement officials are making a big hooey about it. According to ABC News, U.S. law enforcement calls it a loophole big enough to throw a desktop through and about as frustrating. But some free speech advocates say the issue is overblown because no actual crime is being committed, at least according to U.S. law. They're talking about virtual child porn, the computer depiction of adults having sex with children. It has found a home at places like the uh, the popular Second Life game, which is available oh, online. Uh, many child advocates see it, and I've seen it um, on 4chan. You know, we mentioned 4chan before, which is this, like, anonymous message board thing. Mm-hmm. They've got it there, too. Many child advocates see it as the most troubling manifestation of the child sex abuse that's come along in years. And they, I would agree with that. I think it, I consider it very troubling. Well, okay, it's it's certainly strange, but it's it's not real child porn in that no one was actually harmed in the making of the virtual child porn. But I it, would rather a child molester sit at home and look at virtual children pornish stuff than go out and rape children. Now, they're going to make the argument here in a moment that the fact that virtual child porn exists encourages the pervs to go out and rape children. I'm not sure I disagree with that. Really? Yeah, I'm. I'm I, so, yeah. would you outlaw it? No, you know I wouldn't. Okay. But if you're a ch- if you like children, you know everybody has different preferences when it comes to that sort of thing. So, if you like children, you like children. I mean, it's sick. I'm certainly not going to associate right. with anybody who who likes to have sex with children. I I think it's very disturbing. But if you like children, wouldn't you're not going to stop liking children? Wouldn't you rather than be having or looking at children online that aren't real than going out and possibly molesting children that's how i feel that's how i feel about it and i think that i don't remember where i saw this before but they you know they've 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 interviewed these guys the uh, the ones that have been caught at least the the child lovers um they've interviewed them and as it actually as it turns out they actually get more turned on by looking at some of them do they get more turned on by looking at like a sears catalog in the underwear section with the little kids in underwear. Like, that's more it's, of a turn-on because then, you know, you've, it's like people with lingerie obsessions. They like seeing someone in lingerie so they can imagine taking the lingerie off, that sort of thing. The same thing here. So even if you could successfully outlaw virtual child porn, which is what they would like to do, even if you could successfully outlaw it, which, of course, is impossible. It's just going to put it under, make it go even more underground than it already is. That's not going to, as you say, it's not going to stop these pervs from being interested in that. So then they'll just look at, uh, they'll just look at catalogs and get their jollies that way. Then what? You're going to outlaw child modeling next? Because that's the next, uh, next step. How far do we want to go with the thought police? Because that's what this article is really all about. Uh, the, the virtual child porn, no one is being forced into uh, these situations. They're, they're computer-generated pictures generated inside some 3D rendering program uh, or drawn in a you know, paint program or something like that. So no one's actually being harmed. So therefore, these law enforcement officers that we'll talk about here in a moment, they want laws created, and they do exist in Germany. They want laws created that will, uh, will criminalize this action, which means putting people in jail for thinking dirty thoughts. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where we've got the bulletin board system. It is 
or it has rather, over 225,000 posts, over 1,400 people interacting, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. We're talking about a concept that's going to be pretty disturbing to most people. Um, it's not as disturbing as the real thing, but disturbing nonetheless. It's virtual child porn. So in the definition of virtual child porn, it does not actually include any real actors. It doesn't include real children. It includes either, you know, um, it doesn't even, it's not even adults that look young. It's not like that. I mean, there's, there's, certain, there's a certain subsection of legitimate pornography, like, you know, Hustler's Barely Legal, where you've got uh, girls that are 18 and 19 trying right. to look as young as they possibly can. And they, can. they, they, they essentially, they're marketing them. Barely legal is marketing themselves as, hey, we if you look like really it, not legal. <laughs> right. Um, so this isn't that. This is like computer-generated pictures, uh, 3D sort of pictures. In fact, it's actually happening in the 3D realm known as Second Life, which we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Uh, there will be people, adults presumably, that go into this game, and then one of them will role-play as the child, and then the other one will be the adult, and they'll do whatever gets their jollies off. Nothing uh, good. But it's, it's, it's ideas, it's thoughts, it's not, it's not actually kids being harmed. Nonetheless, law enforcement in America would like to outlaw virtual child porn. In fact, last week, authorities in Germany, where virtual child porn is a crime, launched an aggressive investigation to track down anonymous video game users who created virtual child porn on Second Life. That wouldn't, have been the, uh, that wouldn't have been the case in the United States, where in 2002 the Supreme Court ruled that large sections of the 1996 Child Pornography Pre uh, Prevention Act, including the depiction of virtual child porn, were overly broad and unconstitutional. Free speech advocates and pornographers had challenged the legality of the act, and six of the nine justices sided with them. Then U.S. Attorney John Ashcroft, Attorney General, was furious, saying the ruling would make it immeasurably more difficult to investigate and prosecute pedophiles and child pornographers. In an unusually blunt public rebuke to the court, the Justice Department ordered that all pending child porn cases be reviewed to see whether the defendants could be prosecuted under broader obscenity laws. Now, why is it that making it so virtual child porn is legal makes it more difficult to prosecute pedophiles and child pornographers? I guess maybe prosecuting pedophiles, but to prosecute child pornographers, there's a difference between someone who creates a virtual child porn picture and a real child porn picture. Absolutely. Um, In a real child porn picture, someone's actually physically getting violated. In virtual, it's just a little paint program or a 3D rendering program. It's an idea that becomes the crime. Right. So I'd like to know if you, th if you agree with the law enforcers on this, if you think that virtual child porn as despicable as it might be and it is <laughs> if you think that it should be made illegal and that the producers and those who are looking at those things that those people should be put in a jail cell 
You know, that's what I want to know from you. To me, it falls into the uh, category of assault weapons, and uh, you know what people sort of think of as assault weapons. They they think to themselves, well, assault weapons not good for anything but killing a whole bunch of people. Um, so you know, the having of it is somehow the um, preparing to commit the crime. I'm not saying I think that this is good. I think that if I ever met anyone that participated in this um, and I knew about it, I wouldn't talk to that person again. I, I'm disgusted thoroughly by it. But at the same time, I think that it's bad for the government to go enforcing crimes that haven't been, you know, uh, calling things crimes where no one's been harmed. A crime is where someone's been harmed. If you have this sick hobby, you can have a sick hobby. I don't mm-hmm. care. Um, you know, there's all kinds of sick hobbies that we don't have laws against, and I don't see why uh, this one in particular is one they want to single out. It's particularly sick, but... Well, because these guys want to throw as many um, pedophiles, as they describe them, in jail as they possibly can. They believe that's the solution to their pedophilia. I think you could um, could uh, could accurately call someone who watches child porn a pedophile. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't really see the difference between somebody who likes to look at uh, like pictures of children, virtual porn or whatever, virtual child porn, and couples, for example, who like to role play, right? And there's the schoolgirl thing and the teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that basically fantasizing about a, a young yes. girl? Yes, it What's is. What's the difference between that and where do you draw the line? Well, you would, I mean, it's harder to track that down, right. obviously. Exactly. You but know, you'd have to have cameras are, in people's bedrooms for that one. Isn't it along the same lines? It, yes. It's not real. It's just fantasy, and some Precisely. people like yes, that. Yes, I feel the sting of your accusation, Julia. Brad Garrett, former FBI agent and ABC News consultant, said, quote, It's very disturbing for child advocates because it's sort of a loophole, he says. Another <laughs> agent... Another agent who worked with the FBI's Innocent Images Task Force told ABC News he was devastated by the ruling. He says, I still can't believe it, said the former agent who declined to be identified because he's not authorized to talk about his work with the agency. Quote, all virtual porn does is satisfy pedophiles until they can find their next victim. It feeds their addiction. That's right. Pedophiles won't look at kids in real life because they can't get their hands on virtual child porn. That's right. Their addiction will just disappear because they can't get access to the uh, the virtual stuff. I'm not willing to discount that pornography uh, can affect some people badly. I'm, I'm not willing to discount that, but I don't think that the um, outlawing and prohibiting of pornography, which is this, that's the larger issue here, um, is is good for society. I mean. It, it puts innocent people in jail, people that haven't harmed anyone, and, and I just think that that's wrong. Right. In this case, the people who created these images may be a little bit dis- disturbed, but they haven't harmed anyone, so why should they be jailed? 1-800-259-9231. Surely someone agrees with the law enforcers on this. One of the experts says there are increasing numbers of cases in which people in, uh, charged with child porn-related offenses are arguing that the children in the images aren't real, said the president of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Working closely with law enforcement nationwide, his agency has for years been at the forefront of tracking down and catching pedophiles. He says, we believe that we believe that the kinds of images included in age play, cyberspeak for online sexual fantasies with minors and young people, are an increasing phenomenon and will be a growing concern. But like many others who spoke to ABC News about the vexing problem with virtual child porn, Alan was realistic. He says, the first and primary focus is protecting real children against this horrible abuse. But this is a problem that's coming. Second Life is a place where anyone can have just that, said um, somebody. There are minutely detailed replicas of 
Rockefeller Center, uh, Center and human-sized raccoons, sex and sadism, and spiritual retreats, conference calls, and a currency exchange. Almost all of it is created by the people who pay to dwell in it. Linden Lab, the San Francisco company that created and owns Second Life, uh, acts as sort of a laissez-faire government. It makes money primarily by selling property, of which it can conjure an infinite amount. <laughs> an online user with the name Stephen Northport described the game as tomorrow's playground, but that utopian world has been invaded by pedophiles, say German police. More to come here, 800-259-9231. Looking for someone that thinks that virtual child porn, not the real thing, but the virtual stuff should be outlawed. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features for free, including the Strand of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo. We put them up on the website at freetalklive.com. And wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach to keep you from getting busted with marijuana? Go to NeverGetBusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that's gained world attention. NeverGetBusted.com. Talking about a disturbing concept that may be so disturbing that uh, no one has called in to talk about it. It's uh, something called virtual child porn. So no children actually involved in the production of said product, but because the... uh, the product it depicts child pornography in a virtual style way, whether it's uh, whether it was hand drawn or sculpted in a 3D modeling tool. It's getting some people pretty upset, and law enforcers in America would like to outlaw it, as they have done in Germany. In fact, German police are now investigating Second Life, which is a computer simulation that allows you to pretty much live a uh, a digital life. You can do all sorts of things in this Second Life world, including Pretend like you are younger than you might actually be. So, you know, these people that are into that sort of thing, they find each other in this game. And, in fact, according to the chief prosecutor from Germany's central office, he says a player came to us to report that he was invited to virtual child pornography meetings, saying child pornography is a punishable crime in Germany. However, it's happening. And so is virtual child pornography, which is punishable by up to five years in prison over Hmm. there. Uh, Voigt, a widely recognized expert on child porn investigation, said the game company has been cooperating with authorities. Their office was contacted by a German television station whose reporter was invited to attend said meetings, and German authorities sprung into action. They believe the user is German because he communicated in that language. Lawrence Walters, a lawyer who advises online casinos... Don't they speak German in um, Switzerland and Belgium? Maybe. It it gives the bureaucrats an excuse to play in a video game all day. Uh, said the big publishers of online games were very hesitant to allow users too much freedom because these issues come up. You have to expect just about anything in real life to occur in Second Life. And uh, so Brenda Berthwaite is a professor of game design at the Savannah College of Art and Design. She says that it's an anomaly. She says, I've come across very, very few examples of it. The few that I've, only, that I've come across involve two consenting adults on an adults-only server engaged in role play, like Julia mentioned before, dressing up like a schoolgirl. The much greater threat is virtual spaces where adults, uh, where actual adults and children connect, like on instant messengers or on numerous social networking sites. 
Still, Walters acknowledges the dawn of virtual child porn is upon us. He said, the marketplace is clearly demanding more open source interactive capability. Users are becoming more and more technically savvy. The new generation is demanding that they be able to program games as they desire. As they become older and begin uh, being more of a buying power, they're going to demand more and more open sourcing. He says, this is only going to become a bigger and bigger issue. In fact, if you go to uh, the 4chan website, which is 4chan.org, I think it's .org. Is it F-O-U-R? It's the number four. The number four, C-H-A-N, .org. And you poke around there long enough, you'll find some of this stuff. It's right there. And the the primary users of 4chan are, I would say, people who are under the age of, probably under the age of 18, definitely under the age of, of 25. So it seems like the people who are posting these sorts of things and... And really engaging in these are actually younger people. Well, that's anecdotal evidence that that you've seen. But um, what I would like to point out is, um, since you've seen, you have viewed this virtual child porn, as you're calling it, um, and you didn't report it to the authorities, under what what some bureaucrats, what some lawmakers, and what some uh, police officers would like to do is throw you in jail. And that's crazy. Because you, you don't even consume this stuff. And you didn't go to the website to look at child porn, virtual no. child porn. No, I went to see what 4chan was all about. Cause right. we, it's uh, all over the place. Someone mentioned it on our bulletin board system, and, it, you know, it's it's there's some disturbing stuff there. So does virtual child porn include animated child porn? Yeah. Oh, pr- okay. Presumably, yeah. Anything, well, anything that's not real children The only reason I asked was because the article you were looking at, the picture, was like a real-looking girl i guess that's that's the only reason that was just a photo on the article that's all you know i um i've got to say i find it very disturbing uh the whole idea that somebody um wants to look at this stuff but at the same time if there's no crime committed i don't see any reason we'd have to go after it and i've really got to wonder about the german authorities in this particular circumstance um what are they going to do are they going to shut down, try to shut down uh, Second Life, which is in no, another they can't country? Do that. No, what they would try to do is find out the IP address of the offending player and then find that person and arrest him and put him in a jail cell for five years. Is that what you find appropriate? Let's go to Fred in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, Fred, you're on Free Talk Live. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, Good sir. evening, gentlemen. We have a lady here, uh, too, but what's on your mind? Uh, as far as pedophiles go, and virtual, you know, virtual uh, actors... Yeah, you know, some of them are getting pretty darn good real looking. You know, they're getting real looking. Yeah, they are. And you mm-hmm. watch some of the advertisements with the virtual actors. And I said this about 10 years ago. One of these days, they're going to come up with technology that eliminates all actors because they're, cause, because their salaries are so high. Yeah. And go to all virtual actors. It'll, it's possible. It's very they'll, they'll eliminate the bad ones. <laughs> well, just like virtual athletes. And their salaries are so stinking high. But as far as pedophile goes, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, how come I didn't? How come there was no pedophiles around when I was growing up? I was sixty-six years old. There, they were Maybe. around. I think that news just travels faster today because we have the internet and stuff like that, so we hear about it more than you did when you were younger. I don't, I don't know for a fact, but I don't necessarily believe that uh, the rate of child molestation has gone yeah, up. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not a. In fact, there probably were pedophiles around. You just lucked out, and none of them tried to touch you, Fred. Uh, right, nobody's ever listen. tried to touch me, I mean, as far as adults go, when I was a kid, so... I okay, mean. now listen. Back in my day, most mothers stayed home. If somebody strange walked in our neighborhood, number one, every one of the women were out there, who the hell's that? Who, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And, we kicked, and, and they kicked them out. Today, there's no mother's home. Most mothers are in the workforce. Mm. Yeah, the true. The kids are left to their own devices, the computer, and all the stuff we have now. 
I was just, I was just, I was just recently in a federal court. I was called for jury duty. Mm-hmm. And the crime, one of the crime, one of the one of the things was we had we had to uh, try a met lab. And I said to the judge, you know, during 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 the voyeur, you're allowed to say whatever you want to say. And I said to the judge, how come again we didn't have these problems when I was growing up? Because the mother stayed home. Now, well, now hold on a second. The reason now you're talking kids, about a meth lab. The reason why you didn't have meth labs when you were growing up is because there was no market for it. Well, no, no, no. There wasn't a war on drugs back then, so that would have been uh, the but number there, one there reason. If there was no market for this stuff, then they, then they wouldn't be producing it. Since there is a market for it, I mean, I live near a high school. Every one of the teenagers drives a brand new car. The parents are kicking them out of their house. Get out of my hair, little Johnny, little Mary. And these kids are left to their own vices. You gotta remember, you got Generation X now raising Generation Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I mean Generation X, I mean the Clinton generation. I think, I, think, I think Clinton um, is uh, the... He's uh, a boomer. I think he's the baby boomer. I'm Generation X. I'm, I'm firmly in the middle of the demographic for, I'm at the very end. Um, for Generation X, and I'm 36 years old. No, you, well, you might be the, at, at the very end of it. Yeah. No, no, I'm no, at the no, very I'm, end. I'm now, the, but now I'm you have Generation be- X. Raising Generation Y. Right. And Generation X was all screwed up. You wonder why the kids today are all screwed up. The parents are all at work, and nobody gives a damn anymore. But nobody has to take responsibility for nothing. Well, you know, that's what the government Do has you done. Please. You know, the government has stepped in, Fred, and has said, don't worry, we'll take care of your kids, we'll don't worry, we'll take care of, of your retirement, state. we'll take care of this, we'll take care of your health care. And so they're encouraging people to be non, uh, not responsible. That's what government well, does. It's called, it's called the nanny state. Yep. It's called the welfare and state. And then they tax people to the tune of 50 to 60% a year to where if, the, if we weren't taxed so much, then moms or dads could still stay home. But now, well, because the taxation true. is so heavy, two people have to work in order to make the same that's amount of money true. that one person that, did. That's not true. What's 1974, not true? women burned their bras in 1972 and entered the workforce in mass numbers. 1974, Congress passed the law. They must now start taking the husband and wife as breadwinners and calculating a mortgage. The price of a house has quadrupled because of that law. No, the price of a house has quadrupled because of inflation, was, Fred. It's inflation no, that has brought up the pricing of houses. Inflation. Deliberate inflation. Yeah, well, it is. Inflation is always deliberate. It's the printing press. Thanks for the call, man. Yeah, but... 800-259-9231. I mean, you know, what he's talking about might have been a factor, but people uh, should be free to, to work if they want to. That's, you know, that's their business. The point is, if people weren't taxed to death, then they wouldn't have to work so much. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live is your show. You bring up what you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. And if you like the show, then help support us by going and shopping with us at store.freetalklive.com. we got Free Talk Live merchandise that you will love. Store.freetalklive.com. We're in the pre-order phase right now with brand new items like the Free Talk Live 2-gigabyte multi-gadget, our brand new uh, Free Talk Live ladies t-shirt, the Free Marketeer t-shirts, the two different style hoodies, uh, one zippered, one pullover, also the new Free Talk Live beanie. And finally, the new Free Talk Live bottle opener lighter combo. And all of our older products as well. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and go shopping. All right, let's go right to the phone calls. Talk to Bill in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Bill. Well, hello, Julia and company. How are you guys doing today? Hey Hey there. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I'll try to kill three birds with one stone. First, let's get the child 
horn thing out of the way. It doesn't matter what kind of legislation is going to be ratified, passed, and enforced. It's still going to continue. It's still going to be underground, and MSNBC is going to make a killing on commercial ads for their Catch a Predator series. So we just need to ignore it, let, let the creeps do what they want to do, and let the normal sane people live their life, and never should the two meet. Well, while you're um, right that it won't stop it, it will result in people being prosecuted and thrown in jail cells that wouldn't have otherwise. Well, I, I, I figured this way. My pimps, the state and federal government, uh, have enough use of my money that I don't think it needs to be used to incarcerate these, these sick individuals. And I don't think uh, that my tax money should go into their rehabilitation because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Once a sicko, always a sicko. That's just my personal philosophy. I agree with you. I don't want my money being spent on it either. I think that parents just need to be more vigilant about what their kids are, are doing and uh, protect their kids from real predators, not people looking at virtual child porn. Yeah. Uh, point number two, this one's going to really upset Julia because I heard her talking about digital music earlier. I don't think but Julia has ever been upset on this show, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, the great state of Florida uh, has uh, constituted a new law that uh, I believe was signed and gone into effect reg uh, regarding uh, used CDs, um, which undoubtedly will trickle its way to Oklahoma because we're a bunch of mindless uh, drones. and we, If it's bad for government, Oklahoma has to be the next to implement it. Basically, what the law states is uh, if you run a, sh a CD shop that, that recycles used CDs, musical variety, uh, you have to basically give your customer the third degree, name, phone number, any brief message, and a DNA sample uh, before you can conduct business well, with Well, they're individual. not doing DNA samples yet, but they are requiring that, uh, that used CD stores take fingerprints. That much is Fingerprints, happening. right, biometric. Right. Um, and then they want them to hold the CD for 30 days. Correct. When does yeah. that go into effect? It's already law in Florida. Are really because uh -huh. now do you just have to be a used CD store? Because I used to go any to any store that sells used CDs. Um, when you go in to buy a or when you go in to sell a used CD to well, the store, um, then you have to give up your fingerprints. The reason I'm confused is because I was in Florida uh, last weekend and I went to a CD store with my friend that I was visiting uh -huh. and he bought a. Used CD. No, it's people who sell the used CDs to the store. Oh, the, the okay. The theory I, behind the I law is... I thought you is, meant people who bought them. Okay, no, 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 no. I got it's you. It's anybody that sells the CDs to the used CD store. Okay. The used CD store is supposed to fingerprint them, then hold the CDs for 30 days before they can put them out on the shelf. Gotcha. With the idea of supposedly stopping people from stealing CDs and selling them. Okay, gotcha. Right, and this goes along with uh, the, uh, the discussions here in the last couple of days about mer mercantilism. The, the, the music company is obviously trying to squeeze their, their monopoly even tighter. Basically, it's going to get to the point where, you know, you, you, everybody's going to have to buy a CD, plain and simple. That's, that's the utopian, uh, you know, paradise that the music labels uh, and, of course, the RIAA and all them guys, that's their ideal world is that, you know, you can't possibly uh, – you know, even if they've made their money on a CD, you know, that, you know, you have to buy it again at full price. That's what they like, but they're never going to get there. doesn't matter what long they pass. they're not going to achieve it. And, you know, that's, uh, I just think it's really crummy that, you know, uh, everybody's going to buy into this, uh, into this notion that uh, the, the, the big uh, corporate management uh, types are always right, that, uh, that uh, they seem to be getting shafted when it's really the little guys. It's just really a shame.
Yeah, we talked um, about that story actually earlier this week, and it's a sad, sad situation. I feel awful uh, for those those people that are in the UCD business. They're just getting just bent over a barrel. Fortunately for me, yeah, yeah. I haven't bought a used or or any CD. I have not paid for music in five years, so I don't worry about the that. The following endorsement for piracy was brought to you by. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, just uh, quickly going to my third point, uh, I wanted to kind of settle an argument between Mark and Ian. Uh, I guess the the uh, argument was uh, how does uh, Ian prevent uh, somebody or yeah uh, Ian prevent somebody from uh, taking Free Talk Live and distributing it on their own? Um, what seems to always been been working in the free market of the internet has been the adoption of open source contracts or uh, uh, licensing agreements. Um, this is actually being carried over into real world uh, implementation by. Uh, uh, Certain uh, individuals building, uh, like automobiles, for instance, they're building an open source uh, schematics for an open source car mm-hmm. that will be opened up to the market. Anybody can free, uh, download the schematics, build their own car, and sell it to the free market. Wow, I didn't uh, know that that was going on. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's uh, that's that was the reason I brought it up. There's uh, what's called Creative Commons. I'm sure you probably run into that term, yeah. where somebody will create will create uh, a piece of uh, you know, usually it falls under media, but it could be basically anything. And uh, the idea is, you know, add something to the creation, then it's free for you to do whatever you want with it. Uh, what you could probably do in the case of uh, the the uh, the suggestion with the with the radio station is, you know, you basically put a pop up on the screen saying, you know, this is Creative Commons. You know, you do what you want, but here are uh, here are your stipulations. Here's what you what you cannot do with it. Uh, click I agree. That's your electronic signature, and, and I guess you would have to hope at that point that they would be honest enough to abide by it. Right, and in Mark's in Mark's world, then the arbitration uh, courts would, uh, since it's a contract, would in, would uh, theoretically in, enforce that that contract law. But I, I'm actually more interested in this car that you're uh, you were talking about now. What's the motivation for the people designing this car? I mean, they're not going to get any sort of financial compensation, are they? Um, under the articles that I've read, basically, uh, it, it's a win-win situation. Uh, basically, the people that are building these cars or coming up with these designs for the cars are getting picked up. Uh, they're getting engineering uh, positions in the in the automobile industry. Uh, you know, and it, it, quite high, uh, ironically, they're being picked up by people like Hyundai, uh, Toyota. Uh, no, nobody from the United States because you know we just can't have. Uh, you know, somebody with free thought working for him. You know, you've got to be completely commercial. So you're saying um, that, but, like, um, so, so sort of like some of the open source programmers that are out there programming the uh, the open source office suites and those sorts of things that are also being picked up by Microsoft and picked up by Sun and all these other different companies. Same things happening in the automotive world. These guys are working on this open source car for the purposes of gaining renown to say, hey, I was one of the the people that you know, was the major designers of this open-source car to where one of the automotive com- uh, companies would want to pick them up and, and hire them. Interesting. Right, right. And, uh, and of course, it's prior, it's prior work, so uh, the commercialized uh, automobile uh, company, whoever picks them up, is not entitled to the car. Uh, they, they can get the schematics of it and build their own uh, interpretation of that vehicle. Right. But, uh, in a sense, nobody really owns the design. That sort of ties right into what I was talking about yesterday with the university concept of, you know, the idea that in the absence of patent protection, 
the market would simply shift the direction of who comes up with the ideas, how they're being rewarded, what their motivations are, that sort of thing. And, and you're giving an, an existing example of something similar, at least, happening today. That's, Pretty cool. That's, yeah, that's what's going on. I think it's totally psyched. Now, uh, just on a side note, uh, they say that, uh, that a prototype will not be feasible until about uh, 2010, around that time frame. But I'm really excited. I've already, you know, I've seen a few uh, design concepts through CAD and whatever, and they look really awesome. And what course, is there one particular? The is there one particular feature that really stands out that's really exciting about it? Yes, a hundred. Uh, well, it's actually it's listed as 250 kilometers uh, per gallon. Oh, which, what? For yeah, real? It's, it's really high. How do they? How do they do uh, that? It, it, it equivalent, it, it, I think the equivalent here in this beach would be somewhere between 125 to 150 miles per gallon. That's amazing. And the tanks only hold like, you know, like 12 gallons. Wow! Awesome. They're Those very a long cool. way on that tank. That's pretty exciting. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. So just one real-world example of an alternative method of doing research and development. These guys are just doing it. Because, well, they, A, they probably enjoy it, and B, they'd like to uh, add a little something to their resume, which is uh, pretty cool. Hour number three is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. Neil Bortz, talk about him, coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. toll-free number at 800-259-9231. We're launching in hour number three of the program. It's Ian here with... And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the sh- on the site are completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. Coming up, there's been a talk radio clash that has developed over the last uh, 48 hours or so. We'll get to that in moments, but first... To the amplifier line and Australia land, it is Richard. Hello, sir. G'day, guys. How are you? G'day, hey, sir. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, look, Julia, sorry to be the first time to speak to you and uh, have a bit of a go at you, but you you talked about uh, in five years you've never paid for any music. I'm just curious to know where you expect the artists that you enjoy to be actually getting an income and whether you support them financially in any way. Well, I I don't listen to popular music at all, and in my experience, most of the musicians uh, that I listen to have no problem, have come out and said that they don't have a problem with people downloading their music because it's it's more of a more of an underground music and they like that their music is heard. And also, I've seen lots of them in concert, and I've bought lots of their. Other products such as shirts or whatever over the years, so I've definitely supported the artists that I like. I just won't, oh, okay. I won't pay no, for look, music. Yeah, all right. No, look, I was just I was just cute. I was just curious to know because it seems like um, some people do don't support the artists financially any in any way whatsoever. And I usually ask them the question: So, how do you expect them to make a a living and continue on producing the music you you like? But if there you're you hitting them on the the merchandise and that, yep, that's all I wanted to know. Now you have it, Richard, and uh, Mark? Were you... No, 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 I, I've got, uh, I was just going to oh, comment. Okay. Thanks Julia. for the call, Richard, appreciate it. So, uh, what do you call that drivel that you left in my car that one time? 
I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what CD it was that you're left in specifically? What What's the general category of music you listen to? Um, well, I listen to electronic music, and I mm-hmm. believe what That's you're a big referring category, to. Right? That is a humongous category. Okay. Um, and well, I believe, acid trance or something? I believe what I was listening to in your <laughs> car was drum and bass. I don't know what it was. Drum and bass, probably. I know. Once I heard it, I turned it off immediately. All righty. There you go. 800-259-9231. So there was a bit of a uh, talk radio tissy that has, uh, I guess, erupted over the past couple days. Little, it, little cat fight going on. Yeah. It uh, Now, this doesn't have anything to do with Don Imus. This has to do with uh, Opie and Anthony and Neil Bortz. Now, we've talked about, I think we've mentioned both shows uh, in the past on this program. Um, in case you don't know, Opie and Anthony are a show that... They were fired from terrestrial radio, I don't know, four years ago or something like that, for having a couple of their listeners go and have sex in a church after their contract ran out with CBS Radio. Then XM Satellite Radio picked them up and gave them their own channel on XM, and the channel is called The Virus, and it's labeled as Extreme Language. Now, it's must, it must be working. Uh, they must be having enough uh, subscribers, uh, listeners. They must. To, uh, They're still to keep them it. on the air. Yeah. Right. Um, and the the channel is labeled Extreme Language, and the as I understand it, the XM radios will allow parents to block out channels with the Extreme Language um, feature. So anybody that tunes into these channels, they understand in advance what they're getting into, right? You understand that when you listen to this show, Opie and Anthony, you're going to hear extreme language. That means the F word, the S word, all the things we can't say here on uh, broadcast radio. They can do it. Who wants to hear it anyway? They can. T- I don't. I don't subscribe. Not interesting to me. But some people do. Some people, that stuff really floats their boat. There's right. a podcast out there that's very similar, uh, you know, that is, you know, very vulgar, and it has far more listeners than Free Talk Live does. Um, there's no accounting for tastes, I guess. But nonetheless, the product exists. People are voluntarily choosing to con- to consume this product, so you'd think that'd be where it ended, right? I mean, you you know, it's a it's a pay service. It's not on broadcast radio. They do do a broadcast show, but obviously, it's a lot more tame. So it it doesn't exist. This extreme language show doesn't exist in the broadcast world. People that pick it up are paying specifically in order to get that particular content. You'd think that there wouldn't be any controversy in regards to these guys. It seems fair to me. But they've managed to stir it up anyway. Recently, uh, they had someone on their show named Homeless Charlie, uh, and he apparently discussed having sex with Cond- uh, Condoleezza Rice, as well as the <laughs> uh, the Queen of England and Laura Bush. And uh, Neil Bortz wrote an article about this. He's very upset at these guys for uh, for doing this sort of thing on their extreme language show that everybody knows is really extreme, Right. He's very upset about it because he's scared of what the FCC might do as a result. And so with that in mind, uh, obviously we can't play the audio for you. We just have to bleep every other word. Every other word. I mean, they really, they say the F word. It's like a one-minute clip, and the F word is uttered several times. So Bort says, now I don't know what other radio hosts might have to say about this today, but I certainly have something on my mind, and if you choose to read on, you're going to get an earful. These two pathetic fools need to be removed from XM Satellite Radio right now, today. No suspension, no warning, fire them now. By the end of the day, you're going to hear liberals in Congress and the media referring to these two morons as talk show hosts. Comparisons will be drawn between them and people like Limbaugh, Hannity, Savage, and myself. 
you'll hear the phrases hate oh, speech. Oh, no, don't worry about it, Neil Bortz. They won't mention you. <laughs> <laughs> you'll hear the phrases hate speech and hate radio over and over again as these leftists push their Stalinist-inspired plans to destroy conservatives and libertarian talk radio. I would agree um, with him that far. That he, it's, he's, you know, he's likely to be, um, you know, every, everybody's likely to be lumped up with these folks. And if you can put controls on them, you can put controls on the rest of us. By the time the dust has settled, the majority of the people in this country who don't, by the way, listen to talk radio will absolutely believe in their hearts that Opie and Anthony's stunt is representative of all talk radio and that these people will be eager to support their politicians in their goal to shut us down. He says, right now we've got a little gem called H.R. 3302, the Media Ownership Act. He says it's a project that uh, of D.C. Democrats who know that conservative talk radio constitutes a real threat to their plans for total victory in 2008. If this law were, uh, were to become law, this bill were to become law, talk radio as you know it would be dead inside of nine months, period. Thanks to the antics of these two idiots, there will be more congressmen who will be willing to join in this and other efforts to control broadcast radio and incidentally to control satellite broadcasting as well. Over the years, there have been no shortages of politicians from both sides of the aisle who've wanted to initiate more government control of content on satellite radio and TV. And he goes on to talk about, you know, the excuse that politicians use that it's our airwaves or the public's airwaves, this sort of tragedy of the common situation. And uh, so the FCC is he's he's saying essentially, without reading the rest of his article, that the FCC is going to use this as an excuse to step in and uh, regulate all of talk radio and also regulate all of satellite radio, so therefore the uh, XM, XM radio should do the right thing and fire these two hosts who, in my view, are just doing what they were hired to do. You, you hired these guys on because they're the extreme end of, of, uh, of radio, and you put them on their own extreme channel, you warn everybody that they're going to do extreme things, and you, people are supposed to be upset when they do extreme things? Well, what's the issue here? I think he's just scared. I, I would agree that he's scared, um, and I, I, I would say that he has a certain legitimate fear. What he's, what he's saying will probably come to pass it to some level or another. Um, people, and I don't know if they're liberals, but people will come out and say, "Oh, this is bad. This is terrible. We need to limit content." Blah 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 blah. Um, that kind of thing, and it, it would affect our industry if that were the case. But if if it came to pass, then it just goes to show the depth and the breadth of the stupidity of the um, American people and their politicians. Mm -hmm. Because, look, it's an extreme channel, labeled extreme. They're extreme hosts. It's not like there's not a warning. You have to pay money to get them. I believe you have to pay a premium to get Opie and Anthony. Isn't that so? I'm not sure. Let's go to the phones, talk to Johnson in Connecticut. I think he knows the answer to that question. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Johnson. I'm sorry. What was what exactly was that question again? Is, is it a pre, is Opie and Anthony's channel a premium or is it included in the XM? It's included in the service. It is included. Actually, I don't even know that XM. Uh, they may have one premium channel. I'm not even sure if they have any. Okay, so it's channels, Howard Stern true. that's the premium channel on Sirius. Yeah, Sirius is the one that has premium channels, and I don't know what's going to happen when the merger takes place. If there's going to be premium channels or, or what the deal is with that, I would certainly hope not. Now I don't you're someone that there who are. you're someone who is. Every day. Right. Okay, we're going to come back to you. Hang on. All right. 800-259-9231. So Neil Bortz, who claims to be a libertarian, is out here agitating for these guys to get fired. You'd think that he'd back up their company and freedom of speech and all that. We'll dissect this more. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line in here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features for free, including the archives, an entire year's worth of the show, right there, front page of the website, for your listening convenience at freetalklive.com. We're talking about a, a little talk radio tissy that has erupted over the past uh, few days with Opie and Anthony, who uh, inhabit XM, one of XM's extreme channels, which means that if you listen to that channel, it's likely you're going to hear, well, extreme Bring topics yeah. and extreme language and, and that sort of thing. So why anyone was shocked when a uh, homeless man came on their show a few days ago and advocated... Um, you know, mentioned that he wanted to rape Condoleezza Rice uh, and rape the Queen of England or whatever. Uh, why anyone was shocked at that, I'm, I'm really not sure. But apparently Neil Bortz, who claims to be a libertarian, was. And he decided to write, a, uh, write up an article about it, encouraging everyone to cancel their XM subscriptions and, you know, encourage XM to cancel these guys' show for doing what they were contracted to do. Uh, for I have a feeling that in their contract, just like with Don Imus, it probably says that they're supposed to be extreme and outrageous. And so, you know, you're offended by what they did? Don't listen to their show. Uh, and it's okay to call XM and complain about it, but if XM wants to keep them on the air, then, you know, that's their business decision. And it's clear that most XM subscribers either don't care what's going on on that channel uh, or, you know, aren't really interested in, in, uh, in that content, or they are, and they're listening. They're either not listening or they are, and I guess it doesn't bother them that they're, that they're paying for it. And so just uh, – we'll bring Johnson back on here. Uh, Johnson from Connecticut, you're back on Free Talk Live. Now, you're somebody who listens to Opie and Anthony, and you're also someone who's probably listened to a, at least a fair amount of Neil Bortz, right? Yeah, I have. Yep, a lot. Now, how does this um, make you feel about Bortz after after hearing what he had well, to say? Well, I'm always kind of, you know, I listen to Bortz's show kind of as like a, you know, I like a lot of what he says, but at the same time, I have the same view. You know, I listen to O'Reilly every now and then and Savage. And, you know, Bortz, for the most part, I like when he talks and he actually, you know, throws out some actual libertarian ideals. But for the most, uh, I ju- for the most part, I just think that... Uh, you know, he's not really a libertarian, and he's, you know, one of these radio show hosts that I listen to because I know I'm going to get angry, you know. And, uh, you know, I've questioned Neil Bortz on, in his libertarianism in the past, and I've always kind of wondered, is he sort of like intentionally, you know, maybe being a shill for like a, a wing of the Republican Party or something like that. But now I'm just going to question his intelligence and his ability to be a decent person because Bortz is just a douche. I mean, this is, you know, we radio show hosts need to be circling the wagons. And his whole, the fact that he, he's jumping on board with uh, trying to get another talk show thrown off the air is complete idiocy on his part. Does he think he's immune to what happened to, to Don Imus? Does he think he's immune to that board? Well, I wouldn't call so it so much time railing on Muslims. Uh, I wouldn't call it on... idiocy. I would call it cowardice. He's thro- what he's doing is he's trying to throw these guys under the bus. You know, he sees well, something idiocy. coming. I mean, it's cowardice. It may be cowardice, but it's idiocy because he's jumping on the bandwagon of and adding fuel to the fire that's eventually going to burn him up. Because he does all the, he does all the same things that I got I missed thrown off air. He makes racist comments almost every show. 
Really? Yeah, almost I, every show. I, I don't really recall I mean, having Mark, heard that, but okay. I do, but don't I don't really remember him, him saying anything racist. Then again, I'm not particularly attuned to that either. He does sit in the studio yeah. with a black guy, so who's he racist against? He's racist a lot against Muslims, Mexicans. Oh, I see. He, uh, he, hmm? I see. I'm just curious yeah. as to who. You know, one of those, the, one of those guys, you know, towing yeah. that line. You know, close the borders. He's a close the borders kind of guy. Well, but it's you, okay to be yeah. racist against Muslims and Mexicans in today's society. Well, well what he wants to do is throw Opie and Anthony um, uh, to the altar of polit- uh, political correctness, basically. He wants to have their show taken off the air so he can cower in front of the politicians and say, Look, look, we took, we got these, uh, these uh, shock jocks taken off the air. Now, please, please don't regulate us. Mm-hmm. That's what he's trying to I do. I think... The other thing is, is I think he's trying to get back at them because uh, Opie and Anthony uh, a couple weeks ago actually did a segment because the first time, you know, we've actually been placed pretty high up in the uh, talkers top, uh, what is it, top, top uh, 100? Top 250. Top, top 250. We've been in that. And uh, Opie and Anthony the first year didn't really get it. They got like way down the talker, talkers uh, top 250 and they're, they're a fairly major show. Um, and in fact, actually, there's some confusion in the article that Bortz writes. He says that they're only on XM. That's not true. They're huge in broadcast FM radio as well. They do two shows. They do a show from uh, 6 to 9 a.m. in the morning, and then they continue their show on XM. So they actually have both um, uh, both kind of genres of radio going on right now. How so do they do that? How can, you su- how can they possibly switch from, um, you know, like... Uh, Un, uh, unacceptable content to acceptable content. Have to be That's careful. I mean, they've got a dump box in case they mess up. I'm yeah. sure. Wow. I'm filthy off air. I mean, I may swear as soon as I hang up the phone. Um, but you know, who knows? Uh, it's just uh, you know, you, some people are able to control their language. So you know, I think I, what makes I think what makes uh, hang on. I think what makes uh, Neil Bortz really angry is the idea that this legislation he's talking about, which really does seem to be a threat to talk radio, the H.R. 3302, if that goes through, it probably won't have an effect on Opie and Anthony in regards to uh, it's only going to regulate terrestrial broadcasters, most likely... Well, here's the thing. What was... That comment that was said, I believe, the homeless guy, that was not on the XM. And here's what goes on. Their show is simulcast, so in other words... When they're on broadcast radio, it's also on XM. Like, the, the real-time feed is on XM. This right? couldn't have been on without broadcast, Without the delay, Steve. without the dump box. This, what? This, I heard the clip. It couldn't have been on broadcast. They would have had to have it just was. dumped out no, the no, entire no. minute. Here, here's the thing. This is why I'm, what I'm trying to explain to you. That clip was on, because I was, I was listening. That was not too many days ago. I was actually listening at the time, and it was on uh, broadcast radio. Um, How could they the, drop the There was on? an F word every other word during that yes. clip. Because that guy was in there. That clip probably didn't make it through, but that clip happened during the broadcast portion of their show. What did they it do was in that case? Out of. Now, the reason why it was recorded is because it's simulcast on XM. So the XM listeners hear all the swears, hear all the stuff that gets dumped, right? Right. So, in other words, if you're listening to the broadcast, you would hear the warbling sound of, you know, a chunk of audio had just been removed. And you wouldn't know, you, you wouldn't be the wiser. You just wouldn't have heard that audio. But if you're listening via XM, you hear the whole thing. So I that's see. probably how that clip was recorded. However, I don't know what portion of that made the air. 
you know. Huh. I don't know either. Because either way, it's still offensive. Well, I'll post this uh, this Bortz column on the BBS so everybody can take a look at it and hear it for themselves. I mean, there were so many F words in there. The the radio, the minute of radio that would have aired on radio stations would have just been a bunch of uh, censoring. I, I mean, why you'd been, want that yeah. on your radio station, I don't know. I mean that's yeah, bad I mean, radio you know. to me. I, if I was doing a radio, a terrestrial show, and somebody came in and started dropping f bombs, you know, I'd immediately correct them and say, "Hey, we had to dump out of that. You need to stop talking that way, otherwise we're just going to take well, you off the air because it's useless." Part, part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you guys though is, is, is an idea that Opie and Anthony have brought to the table, which, as shock jock radio hosts, I think is one of the most brilliant pieces of. of uh, just, I guess, radio marketing and an idea, and I want to bring it to Free Talk Live. All right, hang um, on. I kind of want to steal 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Hey, that's what radio is all about, borrowing other people's ideas. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features for free, including the wiki, over 1,300 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. WIKI.freetalklive.com. Mother's Day is Sunday. If you haven't gotten something for mom, go to 1-800-Flowers.com and get her something nice. They have flowers and gifts that she'll love, and they'll deliver on Mother's Day. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's code FTL, 1-800-Flowers.com. Let's go back to Johnson in Connecticut. Now, Johnson, you said you had an idea that uh, you wanted to suggest that Free Talk Live rip off from uh, from another radio show. What's uh, What's up? Absolutely, I think, or we should at least attempt it. Um, you know, again, I think the radio show hosts should be circling the wagons and sort of protecting one another and, and really kind of vying for free speech and not kind of doing this backstabbing, uh, childish joke uh, of an idea that uh, uh, Neil Bortz is attempting. And, and what Opie and Anthony have sort of come up with and started, I mean, I guess they're starting planning on it or trying to figure something out, and there's now a new organization, um, and I really wish I could remember the full name because they just started a website. Um, but um, essentially, it they are speculating what could listeners do, what could fans of a show do to sort of pre-plan if a show is thrown off the air in one of these fashions, you know, in in this fashion, if a show is kind of taken off the air by one of these vocal minority uh, groups who just likes to complain, like the Parents Television Council right. or uh, Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton somehow manages to get a show thrown off the air. Mm-hmm. Well, I think NBC Broadcasting would maybe change their mind if, say, 10,000 people showed up outside their building and started marching around it protesting. They might very well. Um, maybe. Because, I mean, a lot of these sh- like, for example, with IMIS, a lot of people listen to IMIS. Um, you know, I, I even have family who listen to IMIS every morning. I mean, they, it, it, these shows, and this is exactly why I listen to Open Anthony and have listened to them since they came on air, is because they make 
driving pleasurable when I have to go to work in the morning. You know, I think that's why people it, listen to whatever talk radio shows that they listen to. Exactly. But, but you're you know, talking I mean, about listeners getting active in favor of their shows, in defense of their favorite shows. Right? Exactly, and being planned and having some sort of a switch or, or some sort of a plan of action, like if this happens, we all need to do this, you know, so that it's pre-planned. So if there's some sort of, you know, and that there's websites, sort of central hubs of information for people who want to support a show if it were to suddenly disappear. Hmm. Because, you know, these, no one is immune. The, the biggest thing that shocked me um, the other day was uh, Larry the Cable Guy, uh, I'm sure you've heard of him, a pretty famous comedian out of mm -hmm. uh, Florida, okay. was on Opie and Anthony. He was doing, you know, his standard bit, and his comedy, pretty clean. You know, blue collar TV. Right. He was uh, he was on there, and they were on the broadcast portion of their show, and he did a joke about Asian race car Asian race car drivers. Oh no! And at one point in the joke, it wasn't you know it wasn't horribly offensive. It's actually really light fare. At one point in the joke, he did a an accent, an Asian accent. You know, like where he, he kind of you know talked in the Asian voice and, right. you know, made fun of the, the race car drivers. Well, they found out that material was dumped because, according to NBC Broadcasting, they're, they're, the company has decided that they are no longer allowing accents. They are no longer <laughs> allowing people to speak in, in voices if they are not of the nationality that they're making fun of. That's hilarious. So apparently some of these major broadcasting companies are just now it's become proactive. They're going to just start stipulating their own uh, censor, censorship rules. Sure, when in doubt, leave of, it out, that sort of thing. Right. It reminds me of our old days back on uh, on uh, when we were on WTMY in, in Sarasota okay. when we had a, 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 you know, a general manager that was just adding all sorts of stipulations above and beyond the FCC rules, and it was pretty unpleasant. Well, and you know, I, I would say that that's, that, that's sort of – I can see that it's left to the discretion of the, um, you know, the, the broadcaster, whether it's the, the major network or the, the small one, and in their – in their defense, they're scared of what the FCC is going to do. So, I mean, you know, I don't understand. I don't know why. Uh, like, what's their reason for having a backbone? You know. Also, I I like the idea of the in theory at least of sort of listeners gathering together and and coming up with a plan. I just really wonder if you know how effective it's going to be because the busy bodies are really good at doing that sort of thing. But radio listeners, for the most part, they use it as a convenience, and only a certain percentage of them are actually the you know the P one the obsessies that you know will listen every single day, no matter what happens, rain or shine. Uh, how many of those you can actually get out to activate and to you know hit the streets in front of a a, a broadcast company? I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if anybody ever actually successfully pulls it off and actually um, gets a company to reinstate it as a as a result of that. I mean, for, for with Free Talk Live, for instance, um, we don't really have very many. There's there's not really very many axemen over our head. We don't work for a company like those guys do. And so, if a radio station decides to drop Free Talk Live off the air. Then it's going to have it's going to happen in you know Yakima, Washington, where we've got one station that only reaches so many listeners in the first place. You know, there, there's only a certain percentage of people that would even be interested in taking up a cause like that. So, at least with a, I don't know. I just wonder if that's even even possible to organize. 
I don't know. You know, and I, I, if anybody could pull it off, I think that they could. I mean, as far as well, they the may very well need go, to. I mean, <laughs> they pulled off a four million dollar or five million dollar thing when Imus was taken off the air. For he used to run that uh, charity for cancer mm-hmm. uh, for children with cancer, and they they managed to help pump a lot of money into that in his absence, and then. Uh, I think what, what's going on is they're, they're starting a foundation, or at least some of the listeners of their show have decided to get together, and they're starting a foundation uh, called the People Against uh, called People Against Censorship. And I think that's what really needs to happen is that there needs to be not necessarily a movement. And I, I like the idea, and I think that the idea is very good of having you know a listener shift back up to kind of support. Like for example, if an advertiser were to just suddenly, like a major advertiser were suddenly to decide to drop a show. If you have a whole crew of people willing to start calling that advertiser and saying, we're not ever going to use you again. That's something that would work better. I think that would be better because then you're not asking as much from people. You're not asking that they get in a car and drive somewhere. You're just asking they pick up a phone. And that's something that we've seen work here in New Hampshire just on a completely different basis, on a political basis, where you've got somebody like a Russell Canning sitting in a jail cell for virtually no reason, and uh, the activists will post the phone numbers of the jail, they'll post the phone number of the prosecutor, they'll post the phone number of whatever other bureaucrats um, are connected to the case, and then all the other activists will call up and, you know, very nicely say, hey, we'd like you to let so-and-so out. Or why are you still holding this guy? So it's sort of that same uh, that same effect. And, I, and I, I say more power to them as far as I think there definitely needs to be an organization out there that will take the side of the offensive, that will defend the undefendables. Like in the case of Imus, where everybody and their grandmother seems to be on the attack, where everybody's acting like they were offended, where everybody wants this guy getting thrown off the air. Let's have somebody get on the talking head shows and stand up for uh, for for offensive content. To the say, First Amendment. Absolutely. Yeah, say, hey, you don't like it, turn it off, call the companies and complain if you, if you, uh, if you want to, but I think it's a great idea to have people coordinated and say... We all this. need to start pushing back. We all need yeah. to start pushing back. I think everybody needs to pay attention, to wake up a little bit, and, and both politically and uh, just with whatever power you have, you know, sure. speak up and use that voice. Absolutely. Johnson, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. I agree completely, but that ties back into people getting active. I mean, the, the gener- it's one of the general themes of Free Talk Live is, you know, hoping to encourage people to, to actually stand up and, and defend their freedoms because they're under attack from all sorts of different fronts. In the case of radio, it's the freedom of speech front. Uh, in the case of, uh, of the war on drugs, it's your right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. It's just that people don't know what their freedoms are supposed to be, and they certainly aren't aware that standing up is going to do anything. And a lot of times they don't care about um, other people's freedoms, just as long as they get what they want. Right, or they don't, or they don't care about a radio show they don't listen to. You know, only a certain percentage of the population has ever heard the show we were talking, either of the shows we were talking about uh, this hour. So, you know, oh, I don't listen, I don't care what happens to them. That's the attitude. More coming up. But just enough time for your call, if you make it now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features for free that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link... Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase, so you go and buy all the stuff you need for life, whether it be a hot new DVD or book or even groceries. They've got it all. Forty categories to shop in, 
Great free Super Saver shipping deals on a lot of their products. Head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just a, just a couple more comments on the whole freedom of speech issue. And then we'll talk about a cop who apparently sexually assaulted some people. But I want to make it clear that um, this is while this is a freedom of speech issue, that Opie and Anthony or Neil Bortz or anybody else that says something on the air and was removed by his or her boss or their company, that's not necessarily a violation of free speech. Mm-hmm. That's a you know a decision that an individual or company has made based on what they want their company to be. Um, they're private property. It's it's their company. They can set the rules. So if you don't want your employees saying certain things on on the airwaves, if a uh, if one of our radio affiliates decides that for whatever reason they don't like what Free Talk Live has been talking about, and uh, they that their listeners are uncomfortable or their advertisers are uncomfortable, it isn't censorship when they remove the show from the airwaves. It's an unfortunate decision, in my opinion, if a radio station were to take Free Talk Live off the air. But it's not really censorship. It's well, just a private decision. It, it is. It's a private decision in um, you know in the arena of their taking people out for um, speech violations. You know, First Amendment issues. Uh, you know, the FCC's out there. They're making threats. They went after Howard Stern. Um, they've you know they've levied huge fines. And it's kind of like you know choosing not to go. There being a, some. Uh, speed limit on a road, but they don't have a listing of what the speed limit is. They don't tell you what it is, because there's no list of things you can say or can't say on right. the air. There's no seven dirty words that George Carlin says. It's not there. Um, you shouldn't say them, but <laughs> but there's other things, too. So you don't know what the speed limit is, so it's kind of like choosing uh, what the you know. Oh, well, I'll just go 25, because I know they've been picking up people that were going 45, and I don't want to get anywhere near that. And so the, uh, the the these big companies are you're they're making their rules in in that area. You know what I mean? No. God. Okay. So the big companies are making these rules that these people can't say stuff because they're scared to death of what the FCC is going to do. Correct. So yes, it is a free speech violation because the the companies oh, are reacting mean. to what the FCC did. I see. And you know what? I don't think that uh, you're going to have much. Uh, Johnson was on the air saying that you know he thought that uh, that that he thought that the talk show host should be you know rallying, circling the wagons, so to speak, um, defending one another's freedom of speech. Now here on Free Talk Live, you'll hear us do that, and I'm sure there are some other shows out there that will. But for, for the most part, I don't see the industry as doing that. I see uh, I see a lot of infighting. In this industry, you know, you look at that, you read the trades and you, you hear about what's going on, you know, Open Anthony having their little tissy with Neil Bortz or right. with Howard Stern. Well, somebody's or, on the air right now where Imus was every single day. Yeah. So, you know, uh, somebody benefited from Imus getting kicked off the air for saying nappy headed right. hose. They see it as an opportunity. They want their competition to be ousted. They want them to, uh, to lose stations. They want them to. Uh, they want them to be harmed. As long as their show isn't harmed, it's okay. But if the other shows are harmed, no, well, mm-hmm. no big deal. And so getting the talk show hosts to really rally around each other on this, I think is going to be a tough one. I, I think that what you're going to see is uh, probably a lot of continued infighting within the industry. And amongst all the infighting, the bureaucrats are going to be crafting their legislation. 
And, uh, of course, the, the liberal hosts will support the legislation because I don't know exactly how it's written. I tried to get some information about it today. It, it has a lot of mandates and things that it calls for and media ownership rules that they want to change. And it's a bad bill that, that, that they're looking at. But they want to bring back the fairness doctrine, which is supposed to be a, a mandate that each viewpoint get equal time. So yes. I don't know if that doctrine will be applied to the station owner. I presume it will, as opposed to the program provider. Like, for instance, a station owner, maybe they'll be required to put one progressive show after a conservative show or whatever. Who knows how the bureaucrats will, will craft the it legislation. It could very well be a really great thing for Free Talk Live. I don't know. I doubt. I I don't know how how free talk live will be a factor it. because we wouldn't. we're neither progressive nor conservative, and I wouldn't wouldn't support it either. But anyway, what I'm, my point is, if it favors one side over the other, then the side that it favors will get behind the legislation. The others will cry out because they're be, they're under attack, and everybody will be infighting as the bureaucrats just quietly pass their legislation. And and what'll what'll happen as a result of it? The face of talk radio will change, and it's and it's probably going to change because. Talk show hosts refuse to uh, to fight together. And they, they'll stand apart on this. Let's go to the phones and talk to uh, Grandpa Stan calling from Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Don't sound like a Grandpa. Listening. Yeah, this is Grandpa. Can you oh. hear me? Okay, you say you got a young sound to your voice there. But what's on your mind, Stan? Well, I was just going to report. Uh, I was actually listening to Pastor Butch on the other line. He was talking about fires that are happening down in Florida. Mm-hmm. So I was going to give you a fire report from northern Minnesota. We've got about 30,000 acres now that have been burned, and we lost about 50 homes so far. That's Man. a bummer. That's a bummer. I'm sorry to hear about that, and thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Yeah, apparently the entire country's on fire. Florida's on fire. <laughs> Minnesota's on fire. It's good for the newspapers. They California, love bad news. they're on fire. That's what happens. It's uh, you know, It's getting there. It's summertime. Things burn. If you don't want your house to catch on fire, then uh, you should build some, I don't know, moats around it. That'll, well, that'll help. There's these fire-retardant plants out there. Yeah, you zero-scaping, right? Yeah, zero-scaping, yes. Zero-scaping. All right, Julia, we've got a story about a police officer uh, uh, who has been touching people he shouldn't have, right? Yeah. Uh, Calhoun County Grand Jury has indicted Ronald Gordon, a former Grantsville police chief, home confinement officer, and Circuit County bailiff on... Eight felony sex crimes involving six girls and women. A nine Is he a bay leaf or a bailiff? A bailiff. <laughs> I've been up for way too long. <laughs> a ninth charge alleges Gordon while priest. Oh, now you screwed me all up. While police chief broke into one of one of the women's homes and to sexually abuse her. Gordon, 57, has been on home confinement at his Orma residence since his arrest last year. Also a former school bus driver, Gordon is accused of sexually abusing girls aged 9 and 17 in 1981 and 1988. So what I want to know is if this guy was accused of sexually abusing girls as a bus driver, how come he was a police chief last year? Wait, was he accused of it before this year? I mean, did they accuse him of it back in the 80s and now it's resurfacing? Uh, I don't know. It says they accused him or he was accused of sexually abusing girls in 1981 and 1988. So that... But nothing ever happened. See, there's a difference. He was just accused. Right, he wasn't convicted. He was accused of sexually assaulting four women from 2000 to 2005 while he was a law enforcement official using his position on at least two occasions to keep the women quiet. Mm. Gordon is scheduled to make an initial appearance in court, blah, blah, blah. 
So, sweetie, if you talk about this to anybody, I'll just uh, find a bag of marijuana in your car. Well, that's exactly what he's, what it says here. Really? Uh, yeah, one of the examples it gives, um, uh, the girl resisted, the complaint, uh, the complaint said, but Gordon proceeded to have sex with her. Uh, afterwards, he <laughs> allegedly warned the girl that if she told anyone, he would make people believe she is a liar and a thief. And uh, then there's... And he's a, the police chief, so there's no reason why he couldn't. That's exactly true. Because po- the, uh, as far as the public is concerned, the police have this sort of... Uh, I don't know. They, they're better than everybody else. That's what people seem to think. And so if a police chief accuses someone of being a thief, then, I mean, yeah, sure, there hasn't been a trial or anything, but all of a sudden the people in a little town will start to suspect things. And, uh, you know, wh- what's it cost the police chief to make accusations? Not a darn thing. Nothing. In 2004, he was talking to a woman outside her residence when he asked her for something to drink. Once inside, Gordon allegedly picked the woman up off the floor and pinned her against a stove. The woman resisted as Gordon allegedly made an unsuccessful attempt to have sex with her. He then left the residence. (laughs) A day later, he called called the victim to apologize. It means he's not quite a rapist. Okay. Like, he he wants to have sex with these women and he's trying to somehow pressure them into doing it. Yeah, he's trying to scare them into voluntarily having sex because they don't want to get in trouble. So he's not raping them. He's trying to persuade them (laughs) to have sex with When you blackmail somebody, that's not rape? I don't know. That's kind of like an oddball version of rape. Maybe he feels better about it because he's not exactly... I mean, he's... He's not forcing himself directly on them. He's threatening them in order to get them to have sex. So a day later, he called the victim (laughs) to apologize and warn her against reporting him to the authorities. Gordon threatened the victim, saying he could pull her over at any time he wanted, and he could find anything he wanted in her car. You have to wonder. This is a police chief. Mm. I mean, the police chiefs of America are the best of the best. You know, Supposedly. those who, they've risen through the ranks for whatever reasons. You really have to wonder how many of them are there like this guy. Not just police chiefs, but police in general. And the idea that this guy can make it to Chiefs pretty scary. It's Benny in here with you. And Julia. And Mark. See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 